This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? Alex here, joined by Phil Kirkbride, the Liverpool Echoes Everton correspondent and a host of the Royal Blue Podcast. Phil, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Uh, happy to be uh, happy to be on and uh, part of the pod. Yeah, everyone. Unfortunately, James couldn't make it. He ran late on an appointment. I guess they were late in, in seeing him. So it's just myself and Phil. But I think that'll be enough, don't you? <laughs> I'm sure we've got plenty to discuss, haven't we? Yeah. So we had Adam Jones on the other day from the Echo, um, and you know, one of the questions that I wish James and I asked him that I suppose I'll ask you now. What does what does a, a typical day look like for you working at the Liverpool Echo? I, I guess there is no t- typical day. I think journalism generally, no two days are the same. Um, and although, of course, we're, we're dictated to by the rhythms of the fixture list, uh, and obviously our weeks do, uh, sorry, are moulded by press conferences, uh, etc. Um, no, no two days is the same. Um, you, you know, it's, it, it can be a situation like today where. It's it's you know you're dealing with the fallout of a disappointing result and and and, and trying to think of and, and come up with with color and analysis and and, and use use the, the stuff we got after the game for reaction to try and move the situation on as, as we would say in the industry. Um, some days the, the, you know Sunday and Monday will be different to that in terms of um, the, the conversation will will have moved on and, and and we as the echo have to move on with it and and perhaps try and set a new agenda as as we look at different aspects it may, it may be an offshoot from from the previous game or it may be time in the week where we we begin to look at at the next game or, or we look at you know an issue that is what you might say is is off off diary so to speak so it really is difficult to say uh, what a typical day is. Um, obviously, when it's press conference day, our day largely revolves around um, me going up to Finch Farm and seeing the manager and um, coming back. And then that would usually be the day that we would sit down and record our pod, uh, the Royal Blue. Um, and then, yeah, as, as I say, it's um, every day is, is, is often uh, often different. That's awesome. I uh, I know in talking to Adam, he said that He's pretty much living the dream. You know, he knew he wanted to be a journalist, but now he gets to cover uh, Everton, which has been his his football club from the ju- from the jump. Do you feel the same way? I assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you um, obviously like, like every supporter. You know, you, you're living and breathing every not just every kick, but every every moment of every day of the football club, which obviously is um, a huge privilege in itself. Um, and we're very fortunate to be in this position. And, uh, but obviously, because you follow the club so closely and you have um, you know, relationships with, with players and, and you form understandings with managers, etc., and, and people at the club, you, you perhaps do feel the ups and downs strongly that, or slightly more stronger than you, you would think you would uh, when, you, when you first start the job. So you do, you do sort of follow the club on that roller coaster of, of emotions and it's... Um, <laughs> when we're doing well, it can be it can be the greatest job in the world. But when we're as as last night, um, staring defeat in the face, and, and and you're having to sort of cut through your own disappointment to try and provide a sort of balanced and cohesive piece of analysis, trying to cut through the noise of 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 the situation, it, it can be it can be a challenge. But that's uh, that's what we're trained to do, and that's why uh, that's why we're here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So 
Let me ask you this. What was it like? How did you feel going to your very first Everton press conference? Well, the first Everton press conference I ever covered will have been a number of years before I was um, officially installed as the Everton correspondent. I was probably, if memory serves, covering uh, for Greg O'Keefe, possibly at the time. I think he may have been off that day, um, if, if I can remember correctly. It was, obviously, it was when David Moyes was still in charge. So uh, still a, a raw, young journalist, um, eager, but certainly uh, not uh, fully aware of, of, of what the uh, press conferences are like and, and certainly new to dealing with, with, with high-profile managers and quickly learning that certain questions, um, however well-intended, perhaps needed to be uh, um, put better and, and, and perhaps uh, less, uh, less, less leaving myself open to uh, a firm and rather stern rebuke from the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Has that happened on, on a couple of occasions? Oh, of course. I mean, I've, I've worked alongside a number of managers since I took over the, the job. And yeah, there's been, some, there's been some ups and downs, as we say, and I'm sure your listeners can probably join the dots on that. Um, and, you know, look, you have, you have some frank discussions, difference of opinions, um, but largely, on the whole, the managers that I've worked with have been have been decent fellas and and, and very and fairly straight and and you know you know where you stand and you know in terms of a, a working relationship that's that's all you're after. Last question before we dive into talking about the match against Aston Villa yesterday. Mm. Do you have any other opportunity outside of a press conference to interact with with the manager? Um, obviously, that's that's obviously the uh, yeah the press conference is something that happens every week. Um, we, we, you know, we we obviously. I'm not I'm not sure if, if your listeners are aware, but obviously you'll see um, a press conference. You'll see the live stream that you can probably see on the club website, and you and and I'm sure American TV probably picks up some of the some of the footage, uh, video footage that comes from that. Obviously, we get our own separate time with the manager away from the cameras um, as a one-on-one, which is which is obviously very interesting and very very valuable to us and, and useful. And 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 Marco was very generous with his time in that respect. So. Um, I do get a decent amount of time with him um, at least once a week. But yeah, there are opportunities uh, at various points where perhaps we would meet uh, and in a less perhaps formal situation at the training ground and perhaps it would be less of a uh, interview situation, perhaps more than a kind of um, more of a casual um, off the record kind of um, opportunity, um, which is also very useful. Um, but of course, players are... are, are and are very busy themselves in terms of you know and and um, so the opportunities to see them in a in a in a in a setting that isn't the the training ground or or, or the stadium um, tend not to be uh, too plentiful but um, yeah that sounds awesome I'm extremely jealous although I don't know how good I'd be as a journalist in general let alone covering uh, Everton Football Club <laughs> <laughs> it's well yeah indeed it's something something that I never thought of before is the fact that. You know how you how you present your question specifically in in a room full of people to the manager. Maybe even if if you're newer, right? If Marco Silva, if if the press conference for uh, Lincoln City coming up was the first one, you've got a room full of people. You've got cameras uh, in which you can watch the live feed, and mm. and, and I think that would be a, a hugely stressful situation for me at least. Yeah, you 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 definitely get used to that. That's certainly the first time you have to do that, and. <laughs> a little bit intimidating, perhaps, and you, you're perhaps very sort of aware of of, of 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 more of what you're saying, and perhaps a little bit more um, tense because you feel like everybody is is 
he's waiting for you to, to slip up a little bit perhaps but you know once you've done it a few times you, 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 and you know as long as you've prepped and you've got you're asking interesting questions you know away from from the routine and and and, and you know something that will get the manager thinking um, you you won't uh, you won't go far wrong all right so let's jump into it you were at villa park yesterday what did you think about the atmosphere um in terms of the general the general stadium um the everton fans um i think certainly to the first part of that question i think the atmosphere in the ground generally certainly kick off in the early part of the game was was fantastic and i know um dean smith the aston villa manager actually commented it commented on it afterwards uh, and particularly from a home point of view how how much of an advantage or how much of a benefit um they the, the villa players felt from having the support of the of the home fans who w- were noisy from from minute 1 through to 95 whatever it was um added on um I th- you know the blues fans you know that i know every 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 fan of, of every club w- would want to proclaim their away supporters as as the best in in any division but i generally think evertonians would would give any football clubs set of away fans particularly uh, a run for their money in terms of numbers consistency of numbers you know wherever in the country wherever in europe wherever in the world they seem to always be there and always making themselves heard and and and, and last night was no different of course, you know there would have been towards the end, understandably, uh, mixed in that that swirl of noise, uh, some some frustration uh, and anger because obviously it was such a disappointing evening in the end. But no, uh, generally, as as you asked, the, the atmosphere was was really good. And, and to be honest, the first three games of the season, there's been some excellent atmosphere. So so long may it continue because I've personally sat through far too many Premier League games where you could hear a pin drop. I mean, I've heard it through the TV, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure uh, it's a little it's a little more pronounced if you're or if you're sitting there yourself. But yeah, something um, something interesting that I, I don't know that a lot of fans or maybe a lot of listeners know: Aston Villa versus Everton is the most played fixture in mm. in, in the English top division. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Two um, storied historic football clubs um, who've been. Certainly in the eighties, great periods of success uh, at home and abroad, and um, sadly, obviously, certainly in our in our case, and um, f- certainly fallen away slightly. In, in, in uh, you know, and, and there's a new kind of elite have emerged, of course, as, as your listeners are well aware of. And Aston Villa obviously have had have had significant troubles, and they've actually dropped out of the division on a, on a number of occasions, come back up, and yeah, it's, it's 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 a top football club in its own right, and and it's a great stadium to go to. Um, so in that respect, you know, pleased to see them back, but obviously <laughs> not overly pleased after uh, after last night. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't think I personally did not see the result coming. So, what did you think about the lineup um, when it was announced? <sighs> it didn't surprise me. Um, Marco's obviously very keen on on, a, on uh, consistency and and having that in selections where and when. Um, obviously, we were disappointed that Jean Philippe Gabavan. Um, didn't make it. We're obviously aware of the rumours going into the game, and we're trying to to check it out on our way down to Birmingham. Um, obviously, all, you know, semi confirmation came when I was outside the ground and, and watched the team uh, bus arrive, and the fact that he didn't get off it um, would sort of made it led us quite swiftly to the conclusion that the rumours probably had some legs in them. And then, of course, uh, just after the team was confirmed and that he wasn't in the squad, and, and, and Everton offered a 
some sort of uh, update in that it was a muscle injury, which they later clarified was it was a quad problem. Um, so that was a disappointment and a surprise, given that there'd been no sort of inclination that he uh, was an injury doubt going into the game. Um, in terms of the rest of the selection, no, I didn't really have any any major complaints. Um, you know, the managers made it clear, and, and and it's it's you know we all have our opinions on on players and, w- and when we believe they should be in the team. But of course, it's the manager and his coaching staff who see these players pretty much every day on the training ground. And you know, if he if he's judging that Moyes Keane is not yet ready to start a Premier League football match, then you know, who, who are we to say otherwise? Um, equally, Alex Awobi, he sees him every day, and if he's saying he's not ready to start a Premier League match, then 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 we have to trust. The manager's judgment on that. Um, so no, I did not really have any any great surprises. Uh, so there was no shock for me to to see the eleven that uh, that began the game. I'd have to agree. Now it was it was definitely nice. Although we we knew from the press conference that that Luca Dean was involved because I did not want to run into a situation as we did the week prior in which Seamus Coleman switched sides and Holgate played it right back. Mm. Um, Schneiderlin coming in at defensive midfield. It seemed everyone on Twitter all over the place were moaning about it. But in my opinion, he was surely not. He, he was probably the best of the center three, the central three midfielders um, yesterday. Quite possibly. Uh, it, you know, it's the, the best of a bad bunch, perhaps, right, in, right. In, 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 in that regard. Um, yeah, look, Morgan has had his, his problems uh, since joining Everson, obviously brought to the club by Ronald Koeman. Ronald Koeman was sacked. Um, he was suffering with a crisis of confidence uh, that, that unfortunately things sort of snowballed and there was that incident with Morales on the training ground which is obviously well publicised and I think he was certainly fighting for um, sort of approval if you like and, and fighting for his reputation amongst the fans at that point um, but Silva was, was pretty clear from day one that he believed in Morgan um, liked the player and believed that he could bring him back to, to, to his best. He's probably still not there yet. In fact, he's not there yet, is he? Um, but no, the, the, the manager um, the manager still believes in him. And, and we, we were having the debate ourselves in the lead-up to the game whether the manager would would have kept faith with Gabamin had he, had he been fit um, or would he have, have brought back Schneidlin. And, uh, and, and the, the conclusion was that Gabamin should have kept his place. Uh, but I, in, in the back of my mind, I, I always had this idea that maybe, even if Gabamin had been fit, uh, Silva may have played Schneidlin anyway. Um, but yeah, he, he was the best of a bad bunch and uh, I'm not sure he'll be uh, overly uh, satisfied with, with, with that accolade given the way the evening went. Right, he was the best of the bunch, but he was still uh, probably below average yeah. in terms of what, what we could or himself or he could expect of himself. I, I felt that we started the match very brightly, specifically yeah. in the first 20, 25 minutes. So, and yeah. it, it seemed like the momentum was, was in our favor, right? And then all of a sudden it just took one counterattack, um, a very clinical chance and, and chance taken by Wesley. And next thing you know, it, it just felt like it was... Uh, it was a year and a half ago, all over again, in which we could not dig ourselves out of a hole. Absolutely, I think that's fair. I think we did start brightly. We looked in control. Um, I thought we, you know, Villa's tactic quite clearly at that point was was to play long and direct into Wesley, and then and then try and win the second balls and the fifty fifties and play off him, as we would say uh, in England. Um, but Everton were hunting in packs. They were getting in and around that 
that sort of uh, that dual area, if you like, between Keane and, and, and Wesley or Mina and Wesley and picking up the balls. And, and Villa really was struggling. And I was sat there thinking, you know, gr- yes, we hadn't threatened particularly, how we hadn't created anything particularly clear cut, but we were getting in behind the fullbacks on, on a decent number of occasions. Um, and I was, I was, I was satisfied with how we'd started the game. You know, the, you know, there was definitely a decent, decent tempo to, to, to what we were doing with the ball. And and, you, and at that stage, it almost felt like it was a matter of time. But as you say, um, the midfield switched off from a, a quick free kick, um, and the back line was not settled. And, and, and Villa capitalised on on that break in the line. And I mean, it's it, it's a difficult goal to keep watching back because it it all seemed. Uh, way too easy um, for Villa and and obviously that was the turning point because too many players at that point too many players in Royal Blue um, went in on themselves um, disappeared into shells um, I would never say they went hiding because that's not fair um, but too many players were not um, influencing the game at that point and, 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 and when Everton needed to regain control needed to tighten up needed to sort of stem this sort of Tired of anticipation from the home fans and, and what was what was building and brewing after the goal, um, they didn't really do that. The only the only sort of thing that cut through that was Calvert Lewin's chance, um, but either side of that for the remainder of the half, Everton were were all at sea, and it took a decent amount of time into the second half before they started playing with any sort of or with the requisite amount of control, I believe. Um, but of course, by that point, and even with Iwobi and, and Moyes Keane on the pitch. You know, I'm I'm glancing up to my left, and that clock is ticking down, and it seems to be ticking down very, very quickly. And it, we were banging our heads uh, against a brick wall, sadly. But and, and you know, and, and and yes, we you know we and everybody will will rightly look at the the missed chances, Cavaloons in the first half, Walcott in the second, and they were they were you know inexcusable in many respects for for, for players of, of of their talent to not finish. Um, but equally, the manager will probably today be looking at why the team got themselves into the position in the first place from having been in a situation of control to suddenly chasing a game and, and going in on themselves and, and, and really facing a race against time to find an equaliser in a game we'd gone into thinking you know, a win was, was, was more, than, uh, more than possible. I think all fans went, in, went into the, the match thinking the same thing. It, for me... And I hate to kind of hammer on a player, but Andre Gomez mm. was particularly awful yesterday. He, and when I yeah. say that, I grabbed st- some stats. I can't remember who tweeted them, but oh, there you go, Ryan Williams. So he had zero tackles, zero interceptions, four fouls. Now he did lean, he led the team in passes, 83 for 80% pass rate, but he had zero key passes. Mm. He completed zero out of one crosses, two out of eight long balls. Yeah. He lost the ball twice. He was dispossessed twice. He only had one dribble. I mean, Andre Gomez, I said this in our Discord channel. I kind of tweeted it out later, like right after the match. But I was I was particularly perplexed that Andre Gomez stayed on the pitch the entire match. I thought, in my opinion, although, you know, confidence levels seem to be kind of fragile at the moment, you know, it's, it's a new season, I thought that he maybe should have pulled Andre at half for Tom Davies or, or slightly after. And, and it's, it's almost kind of odd for me to not have seen Tom Davies this season with, with midfield injuries and that sort of thing. I think, I think the, the issue specifically with Tom is that um, Tom feels, and, and I, think, I, think, I think the manager would feel that he sees himself as an attacking midfielder now. Um, 
and then that holding role perhaps is not where they're going to get the best out of him. So in that situation, with the players, the number of forwards that were on the pitch, obviously when they will be and Moise Keane came on, uh, the manager changed the uh, formation. We went 4-4-2. So adding in an attacking mid at that point, I don't know whether Marco felt that would upset the degree of the balance. Obviously, he had to be wary of the fact that Villa were were, were, were sat in and their, um, the way that they were going to hurt us at that point was on the counter-attack. So does adding Tom Davis with his natural instinct to go forward and, and join in on the edge of the area, um, does that leave us a touch vulnerable? I don't know. We'd have to, we'd have to ask the manager. I'm just trying to do my best job of understanding his decision. Um, yeah, and that's why I think Gomez stayed on the pitch. I, I was looking at it last night and thinking that I wonder whether Gomez, the best of Gomez and, and, and getting Gomez back to a level that, that we saw at points last season perhaps is, 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 uh, is what's needed is a change in formation playing him as in a three-man midfield, something that the manager wants to do and has spoken about. Um, but of, of course, that does rely heavily on, on the fitness of Fabian Delph and him being available. Um, I'm just beginning to wonder whether that's where Gomez will will start to show us again what he's all about. Because of course, when he was playing in a two last season, he was playing in a two with um, a player who has exceptional defensive qualities, Um a, you know, a, a league leader almost in in, in number of areas, and a player who who can cover and make up for uh, players perhaps having a, a, a misstep in position or, or being caught out every once in a while. You know, with the best will in the world to Schneidlin, he is no Idris Gay in that respect. Yeah, I mean that's a good point about Tom Davies. I suppose it's not always as simple as as a substitution, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they they obviously made the con- conscious effort to to switch formations and play or, or bring on Keane and switch to a, a flat 4-4-2. However, when you when you bring up playing a three-man midfield, a lot of fans have never really seemed to got on the Gilfie Sigurdsson hype train. Although he was joint top scorer with Richarlison last season, he also had the most assists. Now, everyone is complaining, mentioning that, that Gilfie has been a passenger this season in all three games, mm. which I think you can pretty much agree. However, my question for you is, do you think that's really Gilfie's fault, or do you think that that is down to the the formation that we're playing and how high up he's told to play in relation to Dominic Calvert Lewin at this? Point? It's difficult. It's probably a little bit of both, isn't it? I think I think if you take his performances in isolation, um, for a player of his technical ability, um, track record in terms of influencing games, creating opportunities, scoring goals, I think he will be disappointed. I think he has to be. I think he should be have done. Should have been doing more with with what possession he's had uh, in those areas. Um, but then, obviously, the, the second part to that answer is: has the has the, you know has the possession he's been given has it been consistent enough? Has it been quickly through the lines enough? Um, has he been given enough opportunity to turn to re- receive the ball in the final third and turn on a defence that isn't settled? Are we playing quick enough through those lines consistently enough for Gilfie? to be able to start making um, inroads and, and, and causing problems? <sighs> Probably not, but it is difficult. And, and, and I totally accept that, that people would say to that, well, at £40 million and what he's done before, you would still expect more from him. And, and, and you'd expect for him to be able to create more and not have to rely on perfect balls into his feet in, in exactly the right areas. Yeah, I, th- I agree with both those points. I 
I just wonder how a midfield three would look with the options that we have, um, assuming obviously that that all central midfielders are healthy and, and we have a pick of the litter, essentially. I did think, however, that when Alex Awobi came on, although he was playing out wide, mm-hmm. he looked extremely bright. Yes, no, he did. He he was uh, he was told to play left in the four four two, but equally was actually also told that he could effectively have free reign to, to, to roam and, and, and do as he saw fit because Villas was sat in men behind the ball. It needed it needed somebody who could probe and have a little bit of guile and craft to try and unlock the defence. Um, it wasn't easy and we, and we certainly didn't play through Villa too many times. It was more a case of, of playing random or, or, or the old counter-attack. Uh, but yeah, Iwobi looked bright and I think he's possibly giving the manager um, a decision to make ahead of Wolves at the weekend, next weekend. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised to see him start the game. Whether it's at Sigurdsson's expense, that remains to be seen. But uh, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting call either way. Right. I mean, in speaking to an Arsenal fan, I guess his most favoured position would be at attacking midfield. That's where he plays for Nigeria. However, I, I guess Marco Silva has mentioned that he was brought in to kind of challenge the left-hand side, specifically Bernard, I guess, as things stand. So it'll be interesting to see because, in my opinion, I think actually it might it's probably a, a pretty standard opinion across the board. Bernard has been the best of the quote-unquote front four this season thus far. Yes, and even, even, even in that respect, even Bernard probably has, has been up and down in his performances. You know, certainly obviously the match winner the previous weekend against Watford, of course, um, but started brightly last night and, and, and faded for me. So, and his preseason itself was followed a similar pattern. So, yeah, he probably has been the brightest and and, and most effective of, of the four. But um, and a little bit like our discussion about Schneidlin earlier, it's 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 not a uh, an honour that he would uh, he would certainly put on the on the uh, in the trophy cabinet if you like. You know, it's. Uh, it's it's a significantly work in progress for front four and an understandably a concern for uh, for some supporters. So my last question for you is: Looking at Richarlison this season, mm-hmm. we all know that he played a ridiculous amount of matches again last season between Everton and league and in cup matches, and then he finally broke into the Brazil um, national team first squad, right? Yeah. And then he played the Copa America, won the Copa America with Brazil, yeah. and he was sick. He got the mumps. Mm. So do you think that that part of Richarlison's problem this season could just be down to the fact that he, he needs a break? Does, um, does he need a rest? I'm not sure he needs a rest. I think he's been given enough rest, I think. I think that's the feeling as it stands of the club. They weren't concerned that he would suffer from any burnout, which was an issue if you cast your mind back to when he was at Watford in the second half of the season at Watford, there was obviously two issues in that major slump in his form. One, Marco Silva uh, sacked, and obviously they have a very strong and close relationship. And then secondly is, there was a feeling that he played a lot of football. The way the, way the calendar works with Brazilian football, youth championships, then came straight into, into the British game. Um, he played non-stop and, and had racked up a, a huge number of games. He won't have played that number of games uh Come the end of the, of 2019, um, so I don't think at this stage there's too many concerns about fatigue. But what I think we're looking at at the minute is a player who didn't have a preseason or much of a preseason with Everton, and again has just been kind of chucked in because he's Richarlison and he has to play. Um, and because it's not coming off, 
he's becoming more and more frustrated. And then when you become more and more frustrated, his performance level dips, his focus dips. Uh, and what happens happens on Friday night, and, and the manager's left with no opportunity, but to, another option, sorry, but to uh, to bring him off. Yeah, and I think rightfully so. I'm, and and Marco Silva said it a couple of weeks ago that that his goal for this season is to show his 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 squad, his players, that it doesn't matter who you are, you cannot think to yourself every single week that you're going to start because your name is you know Richarlison, because your name is Gilfie Sigurdsson, hmm. and. I think a lot of fans have been a little um, premature in in shouting for Keane or Iwobi to or even Kabamin, right? Because he, he was just thrust into the lineup mm. based on based on an injury. Uh, in my yes. opinion, he 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 should not have yeah. had the amount of minutes he's had so far. But it's been a little premature shouting for those players to start. However, I think one could argue that this coming week, Lincoln City is going to be the the perfect time to give them significantly more minutes. And if yes. not, then then the Wolves match at the weekend. I think mm. at this point, we really start to finally see competition for places. And and given the result at Aston Villa, it's going to be even more interesting. Yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree. Um, as you say, you'd expect to see Moyes Keane and Iwobi um, play a decent chunk of the game against Lincoln, um, purely to be getting getting minutes in, into their legs and, and, and you know, Maybe the manager in an ideal situation and, and, you know, league cup ties against lower league opposition are often far from ideal. But in an ideal situation, he may look to get 60, 70 minutes into them um, and then bring them off. And, and then they would be perhaps, certainly in Iwobi's case, and, um, you know, maybe in Keane's case, really, really pushing for, for a start. But of course, the manager, certainly in Moyes Keane's case, has spoken a lot and very clearly about. You know this 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 young boy because he he is that he's only nineteen did not play a great deal of football in Italy last season. It's unfair and unrealistic to expect that he can suddenly, after only a few weeks in England, become a starter in the Premier League because the physical demands of playing in this country are obviously uh, much higher than they are anywhere else in the world. Yet you know the clamour to, to play him from the start is only going to grow. I thought he looked lively last night when he came on. He should have. Finish the game with an assist. Of course, Walcott uh, hit it over the bar. Um, it's difficult. It really is. We're, I feel we're in that in less in Iwobi. I think Iwobi probably will will be in and about starting eleven for this weekend. But with Keane, we're kind of at that 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 point where not the tipping point, but close. Where we'll if it's not this weekend, perhaps next. As long as his progression after the international, certainly after the international break, if his progression has been on the same track. I think maybe looking at Bournemouth, will it be or, or Sheffield United? Perhaps that that could be the time when, when Marco sort of lets him off the off the reins and, and plays him from the start. Yeah, and I I really look forward to it because I think as we've both echoed, no pun intended, <laughs> that they, they've both looked extremely lively. Well, I guess more so Keen because we've seen him uh, yeah. a number of times now, and and I really look forward to it. But otherwise, Phil, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking you know half hour out of your day on this Saturday to come talk. No, no, no problem anytime and uh, happy to be on and happy to support you guys doing great stuff. So uh, no, really, uh, really pleased to have been on. Look out for our episode on Wednesday for a Wolves preview and a Lincoln City post-match review. Up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.